Welcome to Love Uncensored, the modern guide to dating and relationships. I'm your host, Nicole Colantoni, a dating and relationship coach. And each week, along with special guests who aren't afraid to speak their minds, we challenge norms and expectations in love and relationships. From childhood trauma to sex, we explore the uncomfortable and unspoken, providing valuable insight and actionable advice for building healthier relationships. Join us for candid conversations about all things love, whether you're single, in a relationship, or somewhere in between. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Love Uncensored Hotline. I've received a lot of questions to do with attachment styles, so I've chosen to focus this week's theme on that topic specifically. As always though, feel free to DM me with any dating dilemmas or relationship woes that you have. Until then, let's jump right in. Okay, so the first question is, I keep attracting avoidant partners and being completely blindsided by them when the relationship ends. My ex seemed different from the rest, but eight months into the relationship, he ended things right around the time we were talking about going on our first trip together and moving in. How do I keep attracting the same type over and over again and what do I do about it in the future? It's as simple as this. If you are continuously attracting emotionally unavailable partners, then you're choosing them whether it's conscious or not. You don't just attract emotionally unavailable partners by chance. It is always a choice. You are always the one selecting them. And the reason why, you know, is completely unique to you, but it could be due to Things like not wanting to be truly seen out of fear of being rejected. Uh, I actually came across someone who said it really well. If you don't want to be seen, you will gravitate towards those who don't want to see you. So for example, it's so much easier to date someone emotionally unavailable rather than run the risk of being rejected by someone emotionally available. Because if it doesn't work out with someone who is avoidant, then you can always convince yourself that the relationship never had a chance anyway. I guess it feels less personal somehow, right? And not wanting to be seen can also manifest in a number of other ways too, like constantly pursuing the thrill of the chase. Because when we're chasing, we are you know, too distracted to face ourselves. And facing ourselves means things like processing past emotional wounds or confronting our deepest fears or vulnerabilities to do with genuine intimacy. Examples include things like being terrified of ending up alone. So instead of focusing on the root cause of that fear, you become hyper-focused on dating and finding someone to fill that void within or struggling with self-worth. So you then distract yourself by constantly pursuing different people for validation purposes instead of working on why you have such low self-worth to begin with or being scared of opening up to someone and letting them see the real you or risk getting hurt. So you just date around and basically retreat as soon as things get too real or emotions run deep, essentially shielding yourself from the potential pain that comes with vulnerability. 
And not wanting to be seen can also manifest in the form of chasing people who you know aren't good for you. And by good, I mean healthy or safe or available because it's an easy way to hide your own fears. And the logic behind it is that being with someone who doesn't treat you right can seem like an easy exit strategy because like I was saying before, being rejected by someone who's truly there for you hits closer to home, right? So having one foot out the door somehow makes you feel more safe. And it can also manifest in the form of being in relationships that feel easy because you're not actually wanting to be alone. Why? Because confronting ourselves can be the most challenging relationship of all. So settling for surface level connections might then be a way to distract yourself from the deeper work of self-reflection and self-acceptance. It's often easier to be with someone or anyone rather than facing the silence and solitude that, you know, pushes us to confront our true selves, right? Because when we're alone, we're faced with things like our thoughts, our fears and insecurities. But by avoiding true intimacy in our relationships, we might actually be running from the intimacy of knowing and accepting ourselves. Because the reality is sometimes being in a relationship is the best way to avoid having to do the work on ourselves. Another way it can manifest includes things like shying away from partners who display genuine care and concern. Why? Because if you've been conditioned to believe you're unworthy of love or attention, someone who showers you with affection might feel too good to be true. So instead, you might gravitate towards relationships where you constantly have to earn love or approval because that's what you've been conditioned to see as normal, right? And another way it can manifest that comes to mind uh, is by fearing commitment due to past traumas or betrayals. Why? Because uh, past experiences where trust was broken can make it super challenging to believe in the longevity of relationships. You know, if you've been hurt before, it's totally natural to want to protect yourself from, you know, potential future heartbreak, right? So because of this, you might prefer short-lived and surface-level connections over something deeper. But irrespective of the reason... The reality is if you're actively pursuing someone who is emotionally unavailable, then you're an avoidant trying to conceal your own avoidance. You might look like an emotionally available person who just got involved with the wrong person, but the reality is you're just as unavailable. Otherwise, you wouldn't be chasing or putting up with unavailable people. So if you're pursuing someone who isn't emotionally available, ask yourself, what about you is attracted to someone who isn't emotionally available? Because the people we're attracted to are only ever holding up mirrors to our own wounds. And pursuing someone who isn't emotionally available isn't a testament to how much you love them. It's a testament to how little you love yourself. It's also a form of control and self-protection that allows you to predict the outcome and avoid the emotional vulnerability and potential heartbreak that comes with not knowing whether it will or won't work out with someone who is emotionally available. And when you find comfort in maintaining distance, you'll naturally gravitate towards relationships that require less from you leading you to partners who aren't interested in commitment. So remember this, 
Just because you're the one constantly seeking out relationships doesn't mean you're emotionally available. Being emotionally available isn't just about how much you're able to be with someone else. It's also about how willing and able you are to sit with yourself. Okay, question two is, I am anxiously attached, but I keep attracting avoidant partners and I have no idea why. This is actually a super common dynamic and there are several factors that explain this pattern. Firstly, opposites attract. Anxiously attached individuals often find themselves drawn to avoidant partners and vice versa. And this is because both attachment styles represent... Uh, opposite ends of the intimacy spectrum. So essentially one craves closeness while the other tends to withdraw from it. And at the heart of this dynamic is the underlying polarity that both styles inherently crave. So anxious individuals with their inherent desire for closeness and connection are often you know, attracted to the cool and independent demeanor of avoidant individuals. And conversely, avoidant individuals who often maintain their distance may find themselves drawn to the warmth and openness offered by anxious individuals. And this mutual fascination and craving for what the other represents tends to create this push-pull dynamic where both partners are continuously trying to find a balance, leading to a sort of cyclical pattern of coming together and then pulling apart. And the allure really is in the contrast, which is why the magnetic pull between these two styles can be so intense because it's rooted in their complementary needs and desires. Then another reason has to do with the fact that both avoidant and anxious attachment styles stem from the same fears related to intimacy, rejection, and abandonment. They are two sides of the same coin, right? So for example, an individual with avoidant tendencies might not always act distant themselves, but what tends to happen is that they instead select a partner who embodies that distance. And this is because like we've been discussing, the partners we gravitate towards often reflect our own emotional wounds. So if you're attracted to someone who's distant or inconsistent, it might not be genuine love, but rather a manifestation of past traumas. Also, an avoidant partner might feel familiar, particularly if you grew up in an environment where emotional distance was the norm. So being with them can basically reinforce your beliefs about intimacy, like the idea that getting too close can be threatening or unsafe. Then what I see a lot of is this natural inclination to want to rescue or fix others. So an avoidant partner might seem like a challenge or an opportunity for you to save them. And this is typically referred to as having a savior complex, which is basically the tendency to feel drawn to rescue or fix others. Often seeing them as projects or challenges to be saved. And being the savior in a relationship can sometimes create a sense of control. So for example, if your partner is perceived as broken or needing rescue, it allows you to hold almost 
this perceived position of power in the relationship. And then there might also be an underlying belief that if you can make an avoidant person commit or change, it would somehow validate your self-worth. And something I see all the time is people who pursue someone who seems emotionally distant as a distraction from addressing their own insecurities or emotional wounds. So in response to your question, the reason you keep attracting this type of dynamic most likely has to do with underlying wounds and traumas that are driving these patterns. And then of course, the age old adage of opposites attract could potentially be at play too. But if you want to avoid this dynamic moving forward, no pun intended, then I think it's important to recognize how these deep-seated experiences often shape our relational behaviors and attractions, as well as figure out which wounds need to be addressed in order to break the cycle. Okay, so the next question is, should I want to work it out with an avoidant who has dragged me along for years? So this question is a little bit more tricky. Navigating a relationship with an avoidant partner can definitely be an intricate and emotionally taxing process. So if you find yourself with someone who exhibits avoidant behaviors and isn't proactive in addressing them, then perhaps it's time to seriously reconsider the viability of your relationship with them. That being said, it's definitely possible to make a relationship work with an avoidant partner, but only when both partners are willing to confront and work through their their emotional wounds. And contrary to what a lot of people might think, avoidant individuals are not inherently cold or uncaring. Uh, their distant behavior really has nothing to do with a lack of care or affection and more to do with how their needs uh, for connection previously weren't met. And this then results in a deep-seated fear of intimacy. So the closer they become to someone, the stronger their defense mechanisms also become, leading to what might seem like inexplicable distancing when everything appears to be going well. And this dynamic can be super perplexing for their partners and rightly so. That being said, it's important to differentiate between an an avoidance defenses and their actual capacity for a relationship. Some might be momentarily overwhelmed, which is another way of saying capacity constrained due to their fears and past traumas, but are still totally capable of being in a relationship if they choose to address these issues. Whereas the reality is that Others just might genuinely lack the capacity altogether for a relationship because of these reasons, right? So to answer your question, I think it's important to evaluate your needs as well as your expectations and the boundaries around those expectations because understanding your partner's actions is one thing, but determining whether you can or even should uh, continue with the relationship despite their behavior is another And I think it fundamentally boils down to whether the relationship meets your needs or not. Because if not, it might be time to prioritize your own well-being by walking away. Okay, that's it from me. I'll be back next week with more answers to your questions. 